It's live from my office coming up in 60 seconds. First, the Rouse Center. We just had another fabulous show. We, the forefathers, did. Who are the forefathers? It's John DeCoste, Mike Toomey, Tim Becker, and me. Our stand-up comedy show just days ago at the Rouse Center drew a packed house. And man, did we have a good time. It's typical of the fun you're going to have at the Rouse Center. Any great theater in any great community ought to be able to supply you with a guaranteed good time. You throw the forefathers in there, and we give you what amounts to a double guarantee. And we're older, so we can provide handy advice and probably loan you a couple of bucks till payday. Anyway, thanks to the Rouse Center staff, the great crowd in Crystal Lake, who drove from all over to be there. And I look forward to the next time we get there. But check out the Rouse Center schedule. Get there soon for a show that appeals to you because there's a great lineup for the summer and fall at the Rouse Center in Crystal Lake. RouseCenter.org. That's R-A-U-E Center dot O-R-G. This is live from my office. How about some good news? Can you handle some good news? Boy, could we use it now. This, this podcast today completely politics and trouble free dr kevin most joined me on the radio on my regular radio show on the uh, big 890 wls and we talked about good news and that is marvelous medical technologies that are either on the very near horizon or the horizon not too far beyond that because see the developments that came out of the nightmare of covid included the ability to cut through government red tape faster and get technology when it comes to medicine up to speed quicker and approved more readily so that it can help more people. You're not going to believe what Dr. Most lays out in this episode. Tiny, tiny, tiny little robots. Maybe a cure for peanut allergies in toddlers who are too little to be that sick or to tell you that they were exposed. That's just a couple of How about a new way to test for colon troubles that doesn't involve drinking horrible horrible fluids all day long until you can't take it anymore and then having something shoved up your fanny the next day it's all in this episode i don't think i've ever said shoved up your fanny on live from my office before now and you know what i don't think you need to hear it again so enjoy this it's dr kevin most as heard on my morning show 5 30 to 9 every weekday on the big 890 wls where you can hear it on the radio on all your smart devices, wherever you stream radio. And, uh, you know, depending on your fillings, maybe pick it up on your teeth. <clears throat> Certainly, if your settings are right on your microwave, you could, you could get it there. I was out in the sun all day today. Can you tell? Because, man, I'm on the verge of not making any sense at all. So let's get to the podcast. Let's get to the content. Let's get to the Dr. Kevin Most and his good news here on Live from My Office. about to uh, begin another day of taking care of the rest of us, trying to keep us from uh, you know doing damage to ourselves with great medical information. Northwestern Medicine, and of course, the good people at Central DuPage Hospital. And good morning to you, Doc. Good morning, Steve. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing fine. Doc and our golf nuts. Mm-hmm. So uh, U.S. Open on uh, Sunday had a very bizarre back nine. It looked like a very slow-moving train wreck as everybody yes. couldn't figure out how to make pars. And then uh, a guy that is uh, really on nobody's radar. None. Um, Wyndham Clark. Yeah. Um, stands up like Rambo um, to the uh, onslaught of uh, the biggest names in the game. 
and wins the U.S. Open, and then cries talking about his mom who died when he was nineteen. Was I mean, a pretty sweet moment, yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was unbelievable. You know, he he played really well. Just made the made his errors in the right place, but uh, it was a very cool story. And when you hear that story about his mom and how the family sacrificed for his golf game, it's just uh, it was very touching on Father's Day, ironically too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, congratulations to him. So it was great. The, all of the stars, though, they, it was like too windy, and all of their they didn't go in the right direction. This is a cool golf course. Again, I've never played it, but it looked like a cool golf course. The Open will never be there again, but it was still a cool yeah. golf course. Yeah, I you mean, might be there. You guys could go together. It's kind of exclusive. I don't think they'll take me. They'll take oh. Doc. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great golf course and great work by Gil Hands bringing it back to the, the you know full restoration, which I think is. Is great. Instead of ripping up golf courses and building a new one, um, bringing it back to the way the original architect felt it should be is, is just great to see these classic courses being saved. Special kind of talent there. Hey, where we run into problems is Doc puts together all of these great notes, and then I, of course, have something else I want to talk to him about as well. But this is something I think that's on people's minds. If you walk outside and you're itching your eyes and you're coughing, Really terrible air quality the past couple of days. Yeah. Is this more of that Canada wildfire stuff or something else going on? No, it is. It's well, it's, you know, it's a, probably a combination of a few things for some people. Anybody who has allergies at this time, you know, getting close to grass allergies, trees are still pollinating. So if you have uh, outdoor environmental allergies, certainly. But this air quality is terrible, and and that really is probably the biggest thing. Just look towards the sun; you see how hazy it is instead of how clear it is. Well, those particulates are everywhere right now. So we need a good rain, and we need a good wind change to uh, to help us along here. Uh, Doc has uh, uh, gone the way of super technology this morning, and he has cool information about medicine, where it is and where it's headed. Let's start with robots, the swallowable kind, or the kind you doctors would put in us. What's going on there? Yeah, you know, growing up, Steve, you know, the, the movie The Fantastic Voyage, where we shrink doctors and shrank little people down and injected them in. Yeah, the Coolio song. What's that? The Coolio song. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic voyage. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you'd swallow these cameras or do they put them in you? Well, no, no, but it's better than that. So what these are that they're working on right now are essentially really, really, really tiny micro robots. And what they've done is they've attached medication to these robots. Now, it's only being done in mice right now, but believe me, it'll be in humans very soon. It's being used in mice to treat some bladder issues. So they're injecting these robots into the bladder of mice. And everyone's laughing right now going, seriously, we're talking about this. But what happens there is those robots are taught to go to a specific cell and disperse the medication. So forget about the mice, forget about the bladder, and now take it to humans. Think about individuals that are getting chemotherapy. My sister is going to sit for her chemo this morning. And how terrible, you know, the side effects of that are. What if we gave that chemotherapy in a robot and it went straight to the tumor and all it did was act on the tumor? So it's like a tiny grub hub that goes, knows exactly where to go. Exactly. So decreasing amount of medication needed as we're running short on many medications goes directly to the source. Lower side effects. Wow. So think about whether we're going to do that with antibiotics going to a very difficult infection. Chemotherapy is definitely going to be the big one, um, but it's just fascinating that we can get these robots to that size 
you know, smaller than, you know, many times smaller than the thickness of a hair is what we're talking about. Crazy. This is why we need the tiny tools. The George Costanza tiny tools. You better get those. But this is being tested on mice. There's a long way to go. When do you think this will actually become approved and be something that can help us? Yeah, it would not surprise me to see if it's going to be in humans' use in a year. Now, it'll probably be again in the bladder for teaching or for treating either interstitial um, bladder infections or in bladder disease or bladder tumors um, before they inject it into the body. They're going to have to do more studies. So, but I think you'll start to see it uh, step up very rapidly here. And isn't it true that what we did and were able to find out about in the manner that we did during COVID, what speeds this stuff along now? Oh, amazing what happened you know, through COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we had the acceptance of, of increasing use of new vaccines, which just allowed science to increase. And I think that there was a big step up of saying, you know what, we have to start advancing science, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons we're talking about some of these things today, certainly talking about what we've talked about the past few weeks. But it's time to get people a little bit excited about medicine again. Uh, we have more to come about pacemakers um, that are temporary, about medication following surgery not being needed, pain relief without medication following surgery. How about colonoscopies being replaced with a blood test? Yes, please. All of those are possibilities. And uh, maybe a new answer to peanut allergies. Um, more with Dr. Kev Most coming up. You know, uh, you got to admit, Doc, my references are hipper than yours. Yeah, did Miranda write all that down for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. It is uh, 637. We continue with uh, modern medicine of the most modern kind. Pain relief without medication following surgery. Uh, post-surgical opioids are certainly not the way to go anymore. As we continue to try to figure out the opioid crisis, punish those who take advantage uh, at least hopefully punish and learn something from it. And one of the things we've learned is you can't be just handing them out like chiclets. But doctors really want to avoid the whole opiate thing in general. So what do we have? Mm-hmm. We really do. You know, and, and opiates are great when needed, right? Patients with cancer pain, certainly we want to make sure that they stay comfortable. Individuals with acute injuries, but we want to make sure that we try to stay away from them. One, because of the addicting nature of them, and two, because of the side effects. So, I'll tell you, Northwestern Medicine is so fortunate to have Dr. John Rogers as one of our our researchers. He thinks innovatively, and he thinks about things a lot different than other people, and then he comes up with these unbelievable things. So think about it. When you have surgery, uh, after surgery, what are we concerned about? We're concerned mainly about pain. We want people to be uh, active and move around after surgery, but their pain will stop them from doing it. So how do we stop that? Well, we can give opioids. It tells the brain you don't have pain. What he says is, why don't we go to the source and stop the nerve from firing to the brain to tell it it has pain? Mm-hmm. So what he, has, what he has designed is this small little thing that gets wrapped around a nerve that's close to where this, the surgery was that would be impacting the, the pain indicators. And now he can... Turn that on and turn it off by cooling with a little uh, thing outside of the body. I'm starting to have pain. I click a button. It cools down that nerve to stop sending a message to the brain that I have pain. How about that? Could you you hook it up to the clapper? 
Yeah, exactly. But don't go to any golf tournaments. I'm, I'm interested. When the guy came up with that idea, he, was he like, you know, running on the treadmill, taking a shower? He's like, you know, if I could just wrap something around a nerve and stop the pain, this would be a great well, those idea. Those kind of brains. Don't you think those kind of brains? That's what exactly what happens. They're sitting in, on a can. They're doing whatever. Right. And suddenly the world's greatest idea occurs to them. Isn't that how it works, Doc, when, it, when you think of stuff like this? Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of doctors I say are smart. Dr. Rogers is what I call scary smart. Mm-hmm. You know, here's he has degrees from University of Texas. He's got, I don't know how many degrees, but then he also has a Ph.D. from MIT. I mean, this is an individual who just thinks so differently and takes a common problem and says, how can we handle this differently? And boy, I'll tell you, he's just, he's an amazing individual. We're very fortunate to have him. And when some of this stuff gets rolled out, it's going to be fantastic. Think about going in to have surgery and having the surgeon say, don't worry about it. You're not going to have any pain afterwards, and you're not going to take any medications. I'm going to give you this little thing. When you have pain, you push it. It cools the nerve. It stops the pain from firing, and you feel comfortable. Yeah, and Dr. Morris, when you have no pain, you're able to heal faster and better because you're not causing stress because of the pain. 100%. You're up active more. You don't have it. You decrease your chance of a, uh, a blood clot. Um, the activity increases the blood flow to that area so that it heals quicker. So absolutely it does. Um, temporary pacemakers is not a name of a band I was in. It's a thing that sometimes happens to reestablish heart rhythm, but then you have to do a second surgery to take the pacemaker out. You obviously want to avoid that, right? Absolutely. You know, we, we need pacemakers sometimes after a heart attack. We need pacemakers sometimes after drug overdoses. And what pacemakers are is these two wires that are attached to the heart, and then they come out to where the pacemaker is standing. So it's attached to the heart, and it you do have to have second surgery is kind of, you have to have that removed eventually whenever you don't need it any longer. Well, now we have ones that you can put directly on the heart, kind of like a piece of tape, essentially. And it's, again, run outside the body. And it depends on, like, some people only need a pacemaker for a week. Okay, then it's going to be very thin. Others need them for three months. Well, it's going to be a little thicker. This dissolves to a point where it's all biodegradable. The body reabsorbs it. And, again, we don't have to worry about battery checks on pacemakers. We don't have to worry about mainly the side effects of trying to remove that and having bleeding. So it's it's absolutely fascinating when we start to think of things that we're going to how traditionally we looked at it we thought pacemakers are so cool that we could now have something on the heart that would change the pace of the heart well now we're going to say think of that now it's going to be gone it's going to resolve and dissolve in the body itself after its use is over that's a great innovation in medicine let's talk about colonoscopies i mean <laughs> they are a must-do we all know you got to get your colonoscopy but the prep and the procedure I think we could all do without, is there something new on the horizon that, that we can change all of that fun? <laughs> yeah, Jane, you know, and, and you said it very well. You said it's something we should all do. But even though it's something we should all do, only about two-thirds of people that really need colonoscopies get them. There's still a third of the population that needs them Ugh. that says, I'm not going to do it. But certainly, wouldn't it be easy if you just went in and got a tube of blood drawn and that tube of blood would be looking for the colon cancer tumor DNA. Mm. And if it finds that DNA, then you have to have the colonoscopy because the colonoscopy is important for a couple of reasons. One, it can be tre- it can be treatment, right? They can go in and they can remove the cancer. Two, it's going to identify where the cancer is in case the surgeon needs to go in and remove a portion of the colon. But wouldn't it be nice to not have to have that portion and only go to colonoscopy when you know you have disease, which again will now really make sure that people do it. 
If I said, oh, I'm going to go for a screening test, okay, you know, I don't care. If I know I have disease now, I'm certainly going to go and have that follow-up colonoscopy. This test is much quicker, and I shouldn't say quicker, this test will be in the public a lot faster than some of the other things we've talked about today. This one will be here within a year, I would bet. Wow, wow. That? that's good. Tom, you need a colonoscopy? Well, I wanted to ask Doc Most because my father had colon cancer, and uh, you know, I've considered myself very high risk. And I was thinking about getting my first colonoscopy when I turned 30. Is that a little bit overzealous, or is it something that I should consider? It's probably a little overzealous. You know, we really look at, you know, it used to be 50 for everybody, and then we moved it to 40 for individuals who have a family history of it, and then we moved the regular screening to 45. Are we going to get down into the 30s? Probably not. But What if he's really looking forward to it? Yeah, no, it's, it's an individual that has a high, you know, family concern of it, certainly Doing a Cologuard test may not be a bad uh, idea, a little bit less invasive. Um, but certainly, and again, you're going to have to get your insurance to approve a 30-year-old getting colonoscopy, so mm-hmm. make sure you take care of that. But um, certainly you're going to be looking at 40, maybe late 30s. But at the age of 30, I'd say probably not a big uh, need for but it. But we all salute your uh, being on top of it. Yeah, well, Absolutely. Siri, make a uh, appointment for 20 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fear of peanut exposure in the little ones. We'll leave with this because this is another one that uh, I can tell by the notes that we post with the podcast, which will be up shortly. Um, the notes seem to indicate that this could be a great relief for parents with peanut allergic toddlers because it could happen soon. Absolutely. This is something that's a phase three trial, again, done in Chicago at Lurie Children's Hospital, where, you know, when we look at desensitizing individuals, you know, with allergy shots, well, these little toddlers, we can't give them allergy shots. So what we're looking at is they're looking at a patch that essentially desensitizes them. Now, not to a point where they're going to go out and have a peanut butter sandwich by any means, but... You know, these kids with these allergies that are very fine, they get exposed to even peanut dust. It could be life-threatening. So what this is doing is saying, hey, we're going to desensitize using this patch at these young toddlers. So if they get exposed to a small amount of peanut, it's not going to be life-threatening anymore. Think about the parents who say, I can't take my child anywhere unless I know the exact environment. You know, these days may be gone for these young individuals and certainly is going to be a relief for parents knowing that they don't have to be concerned about small amounts of peanut causing a major life incident. Uh, one more bonus from the textures here. Um, this is from Charles. What's the doctor's view of cardiac calcium screening? Yeah. Cardiac calcium screening, what we do there is we do a calcium score. So they're going to look at your heart and the arteries around your heart to see where the calcium is. Calcium buildup is where it's going to show narrowing. And if you have high points of narrowing and high calcium scores, you're certainly going to, one, follow, make sure your cholesterol is being checked. But also you may end up with an angiogram to make sure to see where there's blockage. So the calcium score is a very good thing. It's a fast CT, does not take long at all. And it's really, it's a good test to at least gain where you are in the risk factors for heart illness. It is Dr. Kevin Most, Central DuPage Hospital, Northwestern Medicine. Hey, Doc, hold on one second. I forgot to tell you something off the air that the listeners can't hear. Uh-huh. Aw, uh, that's not fair. Well, no, it's about my own health because oh, I have to oh, tell oh, him oh, something. Okay. It's good news. I don't want the listeners to worry. Um, and uh, it's something Doc can make fun of. So it's good for everybody. Oh, it's good. It's good for everybody, then. So uh, stick around, because there's more to come of this fantastic Steve Cochran show. Number, Doc, you know what number today is? 
300 and... Oh, good Lord. Get out no, of the office. Two, th- two, you know four. what? Because he's thinking it's a year. Oh, so. I'm sorry. That's right. You guys only work four days a week. Right. There's some of us that work... Like I told you, Steve, your week at 17.5 hours, we call Tuesday. <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you doing this. As always, 647 Traffic Update. Well, there you have it. As promised, controversy-free good news about medicine, of all things. So uh, hang in there. The great scientists are working for us. We just got to give them room to work and the funding they need to get it done. And all sorts of miraculous developments are possible. Here's to your good health. Thank you to Ross Cochran, who produces live from my office. Thank you, of course, for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you do on whatever platform you listen. Please tell your friends to listen as well. And if they don't know how to download a podcast, show them. I mean, they'll be pushy about it, but... You know, nicely go, you do this, and then you do this, and then you got yourself live from my office. And if you subscribe, it shows up on its own. It's like magic. Uh, It's the live from my office episode that uh, we thank Dr. Kevin Most and Ross Cochran for. And of course, again, as I mentioned, you for listening. All right, enough of me and enough of you. We move on to the radio show again tomorrow, and then another episode of Live from My Office coming soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Steve Cochran, and it's time for me to lay down. Thank you for listening to Live from My Office, a service of Monkey Run Productions. All rights reserved. The podcast is hosted by Steve Cochran, and it's mixed, edited, and produced by me, Ross Cochran. Steve is available for corporate speaking gigs. He would love to emcee your event, and occasionally, he's funny. Thank you for listening. Head to CochranShow.com for more.